Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. The media tells us there is no widespread voter fraud, just a few isolated incidents here and there. And these lawsuits filed by Team Trump are without merit. Joe Biden is the president-elect. Carol Davis, the chairman of the Illinois Conservative Union, was this a free and fair election? Well, absolutely not, Monty. And uh, our experience over years of uh, investigating elections, learning everything there is to know about elections, and uh, learning how to spot fraud teaches us that there is fraud in every election in this country. Really? Well, especially here in Illinois, we're the champion of that. Absolutely. You know, Illinois, unfortunately, has got that reputation, and it's well-deserved. And their methodology of how to swing an election has been taught throughout the country. And I'm not saying they put people in classrooms or, or uh, private meetings and teach it. But I'm saying that the things that have worked to sway elections in the Chicago area and throughout the state are working now across the country. Let's say the best practices of deceit have been picked up by many organizations. Well, I want to dig a little deeper into that. But what's your take? Uh, you're in contact with some of the people involved in the election legal fight. Should the president fight on or concede? I think President Trump is doing a tremendous favor to this nation by fighting on. And even if he does not prevail, this could be a parting gift of his administration to the entire nation of exposing fraud, exposing the varying avenues of fraud, and teaching the nation about how prevalent it is and how we might deal with it. Of course, I am hoping that he will prevail, that all of the deceitful actors will be exposed. But even if he doesn't, like I say, he needs to persevere because what he is exposing needs to be exposed. If there's nothing to hide, they should not be afraid. And if we allow this to go on, this happens again. Oh, absolutely. The Obviously, you get away with something once, it encourages you to do it again and possibly bigger and better the next time. You know, these rumors and innuendos about election irregularities, let's face it, they've been floating around for decades. Now is the time to expose it. Is it true? Is it as prevalent as we believe it is? Then doggone it, let's bring some sunlight in and find ways to deal with it. Well, you have been in contact as we mentioned, with some of the people involved in the election fight. So let's break down a few things. What happened in Pennsylvania? What happened in Michigan? What happened in Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona? Let's start with Pennsylvania. Well, I truly believe that uh, Pennsylvania was one for Trump. And there are certain cities, we know Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are key, where they are like the Chicago machine in those cities. There has been questionable elections for a long time there. The, the one key area, I would say, is nursing homes and senior facilities and re senior residences. 
our most vulnerable citizens in the country are a very easy prey to the manipulators of the vote. And so that is a key area where I feel that area alone could make a huge difference. And what happened in those two cities, ballots showing up suddenly in the wee hours of the morning, all of that needs to be thoroughly investigated. Plus now, uh, we know that uh, President Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has gotten affidavits signed by many, many whistleblowers in both of those cities. So those all need to be followed through. And if you sign an affidavit and you're lying, you could go to jail. Absolutely. So, And that process is thoroughly explained to these whistleblowers before they proceed. Uh, it takes a lot of conviction to follow through on something like that. And if you're stepping forward and attesting to something like this, then they know the consequences if they are not being truthful. Well, there's other consequences. And I think a lot of these folks who are willing to come out and expose this even fear for their lives and their livelihoods. Absolutely, because we know the cancel culture from the left is in full swing. And now they're already talking about retribution on anyone who supported President Trump. And that is a whole another matter to deal with. That's scary. It is scary. They have used thuggery and intimidation for the last four years. They're preaching about coming together and unifying now. Well, the day after Trump was elected, they tried to impeach him. They started the impeachment process. They didn't want unity then, but now we're all supposed to fall in line and sing kumbaya. (laughs) Well, I'm particularly concerned about the Michigan race, and not just because president, according to the media, losing that state, but the fact that the U.S. Senate is up for grabs, and John James, conservative Republican, is the so-called loser in that campaign. Yes, yes, and that is a very curious thing about many of these races and why the specter of fraud becomes even more more obvious. Because, for example, you had down-ballot races that were won by Republicans by huge margins, but then all of a sudden the top of the ticket, President Trump, loses. That's very incongruous. That statistically does not seem possible. And in the case of John James, that margin was very close. So it's really a statistician looking at the facts of what have happened in elections that has got to raise big red flags. Well, all eyes are on the Senate runoff races in Georgia. Georgia really needs to be looked at. Oh, absolutely. And we know that Stacey Abrams there, the one that lost a few years ago, has been on a real campaign. And I believe that, you know, with her being a hardcore left Democrat, Uh, She has pulled out all the stops to try to influence the elections in Georgia, a state that you think would be very conservative. And we know that they have targeted the secretary of state positions in many states because the secretaries of state are the ones that validate the elections in their state. And if they can turn over those seats, which they've done in many states, the roadmap was Colorado, and we've seen how that has gone. So Uh, Yes, we have to be watching Georgia very carefully. The George Soros bankroll, some of these secretary of states who uh, were able to get into office. 
Absolutely. Years ago, it was the Secretary of State project, and Soros poured a lot of money into turning over those seats. You know, we have a tendency to look at the surface, but the left, they know how to go underground and really parse out the critical seats that they will need to really make a difference in a state. Well, let's talk about what happened nationally, and we've touched on this just a little bit. It seems like Dems in some of those swing states followed the Chicago model and held back election results until they determined just how many votes they needed to turn the election in their favor. How'd they do it? We see that as a pattern, and all I want is the truth to come out. You know, these rumblings have gone on for a long time about tabling ballots, where you get a bunch of, you know, Democrat operatives in a room, sit them at a table and just start filling in ballots, have them in reserve, have thousands of them in reserve, so that you can sneak them into the count at the last minute. I want to know if that's true. I want it to be exposed. And I think we've got whistleblowers coming out now across the country who are going to be able to shed light on this. They did not have a voice in the past because, sadly, our Illinois and and, and nationwide GOP, our Republicans, have not pursued this. They have not taken this seriously. So those people have not had an avenue to be protected to get the word out on some of these things. Well, let's talk about that. It seems like maybe the GOP is more concerned about their message, but they're forgetting about some of the mechanics of the election. Well, I will tell you a little interesting tidbit of history, Monty. We have had, uh, it seems like, a very little effort on election integrity across the country from the Republicans. And unfortunately, many, many organizations, good people, have been shouting from the rooftops about election integrity and trying to get the attention of the RNC. I've seen some, you know, especially now, recent more interest in that, but we're going to keep shouting from the rooftops to get attention. We want to talk about the Illinois Conservative Union's Voter Integrity Project here in just a moment. We're going to take a time out and continue our conversation with Carol Davis, the chairman of the Illinois Conservative Union, after this. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the Book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company, or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are going to pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, along with Carol Davis, the chairman of the Illinois Conservative Union. We're talking about the election results, voter integrity, voter fraud. 
And Carol, do we need a complete audit of voter computer systems based on what happened in several swing states? Absolutely. These systems, many of them are old. There's been plenty of time for hackers to dig into the mechanics and and, uh, digits of, of these things to figure out how to hack them. And, you know, many of the processes and the companies aren't even U.S.-based anymore. So if we want integrity in our elections, how can we have many of these systems being run overseas? It's just uh, a a very... Wait a second. Run overseas? Really? Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) So, yes. Sure, there's, you know, a lot of things floating out there on the Internet about the machines. But this Dominion system that has caused problems in Georgia, that was the one where 6,000 votes were flipped from uh, Trump to Biden. Uh, Was that just an accident? Well, that's what they need to look into. Because we've seen um, research being done and investigation being done where these machines can be hacked with a cell phone. So, and I'm not saying those particular machines, the ones they're talking about are, are Dominion machines. But those very machines are used in many states, many states. And so our elections possibly have been manipulated for years They need to get to the root of that and find out what's going on. Something suspicious is going on, and it tends to lean in favor of the Democrats. Isn't that strange how that happens? And of course, you know, again, I want to stress, I don't want to spread wild rumors. Um, You know, there's too much of that going on online. And of course, I want to remind all of the good patriots out there, The left likes nothing more than to make us look like fools. So they will plant stuff out there, and we will wildly share these rumors. I'm seeing something persistently about a watermark on the ballots, and Trump plays 3D chess, and he's made sure that the ballots are watermarked, and there's an elite team of National Guardsmen out there, you know, that are going to expose something going on with the ballots. Folks, every single election authority in the country contracts to print their own ballots with a printer they of their choosing. Our ballots are not printed at a federal level. So and and various printers are used all across the country. And we know looking at our ballot, we've got local races on there as well as federal races. It would be impossible for all the ballots to be contracted and printed through one printer. They are printed through a multitude of printers out of the election authority. So please, the watermark thing is highly unlikely. Please don't share rumors like that. Rather than spend time on that, folks, let's get engaged and find out what we can actually do to help prevent fraud. Carol, what's your educated guess about the outcome of the uh, Trump-initiated legal challenges? Is there going to be enough evidence there that could lead to a second term? Well, you know, as much as I've dug into elections over the years, I wish I could say, but I am on pins and needles just like all of the good patriots in the country. I wish I had an answer. We know many of our courts have been, sadly, turned into legislative bodies rather than courts. Our judges seem to like to make laws and legislate from the bench instead of ruling according to the Constitution. I want everyone to be reminding their friends and neighbors, 
Our Constitution determines the outcome of our elections. The news media does not. Please make sure you're educating your friends, family, and neighbors to that end. Al Gore took 37 days to work through the court process in that election. Our president deserves at least that amount of time. In Al Gore's case, it was only Florida they had to contest. At least 10 states are in play here, and suspected fraud has taken place. We need time to work through that process. What happened in these swing states especially really didn't come as a big surprise to you. Why is that? There is a strategy afoot. And again, I'm not saying that they bring everyone to a big conference and and, and call it the National Voter Fraud Summit. Uh, you know, it's not being that obvious. But actually, they've gotten a lot more blatant about their actions over over years. So I believe they knew in these swing states that the race would be close. As much as the media tried with their suppression polls uh, to keep good voters at home and raise big money for those on the left, which is what those polls achieve, and the media calling states way early to suppress voters from coming out, because many people won't come out if they think they're going to be voting for a loser, so all of these techniques have been worked. And, and again, I don't think it's that, you know, the head of the DNC is calling all the media and saying we're going to do this to thwart this election. It's a mindset on the left. And Rahm Emanuel said it best for them years ago. The end justifies the means. And that is their mindset. And they are using it all across the country. Carol, you, you mentioned the polls and how they suppress voter turnout, and then you have social media and the networks, the mainstream networks, denying conservative access to the public. How do we overcome that? Well, and isn't it amazing that they're getting bolder and more blatant about it as the years go by? I mean, they don't even try to hide their bias anymore. And yet they're called in front of Congress, and they just, you know, feign ignorance and in naivete and in, in innocence. So um, we need to abandon those platforms. And it's a tough call, because we don't want, if there are persuadables still left there, we want to engage those people. But so many of them are so hardcore left, and their platforms are encouraging that. Only one side is given a voice. So we have to find other avenues to get our voice out. Easier said than done. And you know, this is probably one of the biggest problems in society today. As a Christian, I share my faith with other people. And the way I do that is I build a relationship and I win them over a little at a time. We cannot rely on rallies and media and that sort of thing. We are going to win our neighbors over one person at a time. I think people need to be talking about the Constitution. I think people need to be talking about our founding principles. And one-on-one, invite someone out for coffee. Because often on social media, you're just really speaking into a, a group of people whose minds are already made up. It's about relationships, folks. We're going to save our country through relationships. 
Carol, I hate to jump around, but let's discuss what happened in Illinois during the election. Anything that you're a little concerned about, any schemes out there that have gone essentially unreported? Well, I will tell you the big game plan of the left. The game plan all over the country is to do away with Election Day entirely, and they're well on their way to doing that. They want the entire country, every state in the union, to vote through all vote by mail. Now, you'll recall that in the spring, they had a real rushed little session in Springfield, and I had predicted they wouldn't even have their first cup of coffee or their coats off before they pushed through vote by mail. Well, thankfully, because we had pounded them when that bill was in committee, they did not vote to just automatically mail ballots to every registered voter in Illinois. It was just vote by mail applications. Their next move is going to be going to all mailing ballots like Oregon, Washington, Colorado, and this early voting for a month, a month and a half before the election, it's all geared towards doing away with Election Day. Could that be happening come January in Springfield? Absolutely. And that's why people need to, uh, I'm going to push my organization here. You know, we have an election integrity team that is on this. We know the Illinois election law inside and out. And we are keeping up with, as they try to make changes, If people will sign up for our action alerts, we can hammer them when they try to draft and and float this kind of legislation. We were able to stop in committee the fact that they were going to try to send ballots to every voter and every registered person in Illinois. We can do that again if citizens are willing to jump online and take action when we alert them. Well, you said registered. Why have registration? Is that next? (laughs) Well, you know, that's a good point. Probably registration because the only way to uh, get all of their data is to have people register. But as you know, the voter rolls all over the country are bloated and polluted. In so many counties, there are way more voters on their voter rolls than there are citizens of voting age. And in many of the swing states where the battles are going on right now, the legal battles, there are far more registered voters and ballots that came in than there are age-appropriate citizens. So that is certainly an area that is ripe for fraud and is being used for fraud. So we need to be in contact with our lawmakers that say, don't monkey around with our election law anymore. Absolutely. And at the first opportunity, and it's going to take a lot of work and getting a lot more good representatives in Springfield, we need to have them clawing back some of the laws that they've passed. I sincerely believe that this uh, vote-by-mail application with COVID as the excuse was just their trial balloon. So we need to be watching them very carefully. Carol, let's go a little deeper into the mission of ICU's Voter Integrity Project. You want regular citizens to become active participants in the entire election process. Well, that sounds a little bit above my pay grade, but <laughs> tell us what you mean by that. Well, it's it's really up to us to make sure that we are having a fair and honest process. Too often, citizens have checked out and they've left it up to the quote-unquote experts. We all have skin in this game, folks. 
you know, we cannot afford to have our elections being decided by a handful of elites. So what our organization really is asked people to do is get engaged with us, learn about the election laws. Now, something that we have had in the works for a long time, there is an organization in Washington called Judicial Watch. They're very highly regarded. They're watchdogs for the government. And they have an election integrity project. And about four years ago, I knocked on their door one time when I was in Washington, D.C., and I said, I'm from Illinois, and I need help with election integrity. Well, after they picked themselves up off the floor laughing, they welcomed me in, and we built a relationship with them. And I am happy to say that in September, we finally filed our lawsuit along with Judicial Watch against the Illinois State Board of Elections to help basically make sure our voter rolls get cleaned and maintained. That will be a process, and we will need, once we get those rolls, we will need citizen researchers who can do a lot of work right from their home computers to join in and help us with that. But the State Board of Elections thus far has refused to disclose the voter roll data. You contend that's a violation of federal law. What do you allege is the state board trying to hide? Well, that's what we would like to know. Again, if they're not afraid of what's in there, why would they fight us? And they can use a lot of excuses, but the federal law is clear. The NVRA, National Voting Rights Act, many will recognize that as the motor voter law that was passed in 1993, clearly has Section 8 in that law that says there is a citizen right of action to mandate that their state keep the voter rolls clean. What would be the impact if your lawsuit with Judicial Watch is successful? What could happen? I would suspect hundreds, maybe thousands of average citizens can, you know, it's the old, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? We can parse out little chunks of data to people and they can do research. For example, you get a chunk of research in a certain section, maybe one town, and you sort it by address and you see, wow, there's 30 people registered at one address here. Well, guess what? With the internet now, we can go on Google Earth and we can look and say, oh, that's an apartment building. It makes sense to have 30 people registered there. Or we can maybe see on Google Earth that it's a two-bedroom bungalow in a little town that has 30 people registered there. And then we can start raising flags and digging and doing some inspection and finding out what's going on. And you have long contended that unclean voter rolls are what you call a super highway for election fraud. What do you mean by that? Well, absolutely, especially when you have vote by mail. You know, it used to be for absentee ballots, that was a different thing. You had to prove who you were, and there was a secure process. The left has made sure that they have denigrated that process. There is no absentee voting anymore in Illinois. It's called vote by mail now. And using that same example of 30 people registered at one address, I mean, it is likely that over the course of weeks leading up to an election, if there is one person there at that address who is registered under 30 different names, they could send in 30 different ballot requests, and those ballots would come to that home 
and that person could vote 30 times. And just think about that. 30 votes doesn't sound like a lot, but think about just some of your state legislative races that at times are just decided by a handful of votes. Absolutely. The further down you get on the ballot on those critical races, the slimmer the margins become. And so, you know, and you multiply one guy sitting in a two-bedroom bungalow with 30 by 500, 600, 1,000. I mean, let's face it, there could be passionate leftist advocates all across the state who are have been doing that for years. I kind of want to backtrack just a tad here, Carol. Were there some shenanigans going on in the 14th congressional district race between state senator Jim Oberweiss, the Republican, and leftist incumbent Democrat Lauren Underwood? Well, it's highly suspect. It's highly suspect. And I don't operate on rumor innuendo. I want facts. And that's why we need to be digging into that. Again, we need to be looking. How did the nursing homes vote? How did the residents of the nursing homes vote? Were those all votes for Underwood? Wouldn't that be a little suspect? We need to have people who are willing to do a deep dive into the actual data that came through. And of course, the sad fact is, once that vote-by-mail ballot comes in and is separated from the outer envelope, you have no way of determining. I mean, we have the secret ballot in this country. So once those identifying factors are separated, that ballot is counted. So the place to do the due diligence and prevention is in the beginning stages of that. That's why it's so critical to have educated observers from both sides when those vote-by-mail ballots are being processed. A little Election 101 question here. Why is it best to vote in person? Wow. Well, there's nothing like a paper ballot that you feed into a tabulator yourself with your own hands. That way, at least (laughs) if they're not messing with the software in the counting machine, you're more assured that your ballot is getting where it's supposed to be. When you're putting a ballot in an envelope and entrusting it to the postal service or a drop box somewhere, or even handing it off in person, on election day as an election judge myself, having worked 17 elections over the years, when people brought in vote-by-mail ballots to drop off, we should absolutely question each one of those people. Is this your ballot? Are you dropping it off for someone else? If you're dropping it off for someone else, this affidavit needs to be filled out by that voter. You cannot put this vote in that box until that has been done. Too often, the receivers of these things are not trained enough to know the safeguards that need to be in place. But it seems like vote by mail is here and it's just going to get bigger. So how do we make that safer, less fraudulent? And it all comes back again to having verified, accurate, clean voter rolls. Because if someone is requesting a vote by mail ballot, we need to be verifying that that is a valid voter. And so it all comes back to that. And of course, it's frustrating for my organization, Illinois Conservative Union, because we've been shouting this from the rooftop for a decade. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to get the state party to pay much attention to this. Now that we've filed our lawsuit, you know, we had really hoped that maybe the Illinois GOP would be interested in that. Uh, And a few are. 
but it took me going to Washington, D.C. to find someone to help us force this issue. Carol, you mentioned the state Republican Party. Given the outcome of yet another election that didn't turn out well for the GOP overall, are changes needed? Absolutely. You know, God's Word tells us, without a vision, the people perish. We have no visionary leadership in this state for the Republican Party or conservatives. And so they are wandering with no direction. The people cry out for leadership. Leadership that has a compass, a moral compass. Leadership that can think strategically. We absolutely need change right at the top. Right at the top. And we need people who are like-minded, who believe in our Constitution, who believe in freedom, who believe in Almighty God to run for office. Absolutely. And and now we've got the spring consolidated general elections coming up. We are urging good people all over the state. You know, you may see it like a local college trustee position as, oh, who needs to run for that? Those are the small local races that can make a critical difference in a neighborhood and then in a township and then in a county. So please, good people, I'm asking you, step up. We are encouraging everyone. Now's the time to start circulating your petitions. And I know we're just not even over this last election and we're already looking to the next one. But we need to get those petition signatures in before Christmas, before Christmas. So that's what we need to be doing. Good people, please, the call is out. Step up, run for office. Thank you so much, Carol. Carol, tell us about the Illinois Conservative Union, how people can connect with your organization and your voter integrity project. How can they get involved? Well, we urge people to go to our website, which is ilpac.org, ilpac.org, and they can sign up for our action alerts. Uh, We will not bombard them with emails. We will only send uh, very pertinent information and calls to action. And then that also has a link to our Election Integrity Project site. And that is ieip.org. And we encourage everyone to join this fight. You know what? 40 years ago, Illinois was still a wonderful place to start a business, raise a family. This is the heartland. And guess what, folks? You may be in a position where you can pick up and leave, but what about all these wonderful farmers whose land has been in their family for generations? They cannot pick up their land and walk across the state line. We owe it to our fellow Illinoisans to fight this good fight with them. And many of those wonderful people are stepping up now to run for office. They need our support. They need our encouragement. Folks, we can turn this around. Carol Davis, thank you so much. God bless you and your work. Persevere and stay strong. We appreciate what you are doing. For all of us, Carol Davis, the chairman of the Illinois Conservative Union and the head of their Voter Integrity Project, do connect with these folks. Keep them in your prayers. Please support the work of Illinois Family Institute. Stay safe, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. 
If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.